welcome to episode 4 of our EdTech training course. Today we're going to discuss various G Suite communication tools. We're going to look at Gmail, we're going to look at Google Hangouts, and we're even going to look at Google Groups. It's okay if you haven't heard of some of them, because we are going to introduce you to them, discuss their functions and what you can do with them in an educational standpoint. But first, we need a little bit of a recap of our sessions so far. Now, before I get into the full recap of what we've done, which won't take long at all, I do just want to warn you ahead of time that this is the part of the course where it is more beneficial for you to watch the YouTube versions of these episodes than just the podcast. Now, the podcast is great to save you on time, and if you're familiar with these tools already and you could kind of visualize them, then the podcast is great. And maybe you want to double team and listen to the podcast as a general introduction and then do the YouTube video to really get into these programs and tutorials a lot further. And that would work. But I don't think that the podcast alone is going to be the most beneficial thing for you. Now, with that being said, on to the recap. So far in this course, we started off with the why of educational technology. And we know that it has to do with collaboration, organization, and efficiency. We even discussed how it can support good teaching. It doesn't replace good teaching, but it can support it. It can take it further than it's ever gone before. It can certainly help with student achievement for sure. And that is why we want to invest time learning more about it. Then we learn the ins and outs of Google Chrome and Google Drive, more so the Google Drive both which are prerequisites to understanding all other Google tools, especially Google Drive. If you do not understand Google Drive, you need to spend a little bit more time navigating it, upload some folders and files and organize some stuff, and just play around with it as often as you can and search some other YouTube videos. Now, we learned a little bit about Google Chrome, but mainly just how to make it look cleaner and how to play around with some of the settings and even add some stuff to Google Chrome. But the ins and outs of Google Drive is where we camped out for a bit. And that's how to create stuff from it, how to upload various files, how to share folders and files with others, how to organize files and folders for maximum efficiency. All of those are going to play into any other Google program that you can use. And it's going to look pretty similar. So if you could get those skills down now, you can do a lot better later on. Because these are the foundational skills to the rest of G Suite. So make sure you keep practicing and using them. So now I want to spend some time talking about Gmail. And again, the YouTube version of this is going to show me going through every single one of these. But for this audio-only version, this podcast, I'm only going to give you a little bit of a glance. I'm only going to give you what we're actually going to be discussing. I'll describe it slightly, but unless you're familiar with some of these things, it's not going to work out as well for you as the YouTube video. Now, if you are familiar with Gmail and you could kind of visualize what I'm talking about, then this will at least give you a good starting point. So at first glance, Gmail is basic email. We use it probably on a daily basis, at least when we're working. We know how to compose an email, how to CC and BCC people. You might even know how to add attachments. Maybe you even know how to set 
a signature to always appear in your emails. That's all great stuff, but Gmail can actually do a lot more for you, and it can really help aid your organization and efficiency. And so there's five tasks that you should be able to do within Gmail and that you might be asked to do on the Google Level 1 Certified Exam. And the first one of these tasks is you should be able to create a priority inbox or at the very least customize the one you want. Now, what this means is you could change the look and the layout of Gmail. You can change what kind of email layout you have. Do you want only 10 emails to show up on one page? Do you want it to be 25? Do you want it to kind of have more spacing between your emails? Do you want your emails to show up on the left-hand side or the right-hand side? Do you want emails to have uh, a comfortable look to it and also show you a snippet or a sample of the email or do you just want to see the subject these are all things that you can certainly change right inside of the settings and just like in any Google program if you can locate the gear icon you found the settings and so if you were to click on that gear icon you can see some customizable settings right away. You can choose how email looks or what they call the density. There is a default, there's a comfortable, and there's a compact. Obviously, compact is going to squish emails together a little bit more so that you could fit more on the page. Comfortable is going to space it out a bit more. And default, you could kind of choose what you want. Now, the good thing about the default view is you can see attachments right away as well and so that's one benefit of that you could change the theme of your Gmail by having pictures in the background just like we did with Google Chrome you could do a similar thing with Google uh, email Gmail now the in inbox type is really what we want to look for and you have a few different options you can do a default and customize your own and, and kind of pick and choose buffet style what you want you can choose to where the inbox type is important first which means anything that you've tagged as important and Gmail learns what you frequently open and who you frequently open from so it starts to learn what's important and what's not and it'll star those as important now you can choose to where whenever you get an email all of the important ones are on the top you can choose that all your unread emails are on the top you can choose that all your starred emails are on the top you can choose multiple inboxes where you actually create up to five different inboxes there's still, still the same email but five different inboxes and you can have different email emails going to different inboxes and sort it out that way I've not tried playing around with that one, but it's on my to-do list. Now, the priority inbox is an actual choice that you can select, and you can customize it as well. And when you bring up the customizations for your priority inbox, it asks what type of sections you want where. And by that, I mean, do you want the important and unread messages to be on top? Do you want it to show five items, 10 items, 25, 50? Do you want it to hide when it's empty, or do you want it to always be there in other words when we're dealing with priority inbox or anything with the inbox we're really dealing with the layout we're dealing with the look of it and that does sometimes change the function because you can have unread items right up at the top or you can have it at the bottom you can change the pane position which means you can split it and have your inbox and conversations go to the right you can have it go below 
You could show different markers. You can also do things with filters as well. And that's with Priority Inbox. But you could change the look of all of them. I would say play around with every single one and give it a day and see which one you end up liking best because that will be very helpful for you. Now, the second task that you should be able to accomplish in Gmail is to apply filters that help you organize your emails more efficiently. Now, just like what it sounds like, filters help you filter out certain emails. You can set filters up to where all work emails get filtered to one specific label or tag or just so that you can search better, and then you can create it that way. A good thing about that is if you are prone to missing emails or thinking that you haven't received an email that you actually have. If you're just one of those people that tend to have a lot of emails and it's hard for you to find stuff, and maybe that includes for your boss, maybe your principal or whoever it might be is sending you emails that you are kind of neglecting because you don't know where they went to. Now, what you can do is create a filter and just have it be for your boss's email, which means whenever he or she emails you, it's going to be filtered, yes, still to your inbox like normal, but there's also going to be a little label on the left-hand side in Gmail, and if you click it, all of the emails from that one person are going to be in there. You can also do it with groups, right? You can input whatever emails you want to be filtered in that way. You could also filter by keywords. So if you know that most emails that you receive that are like newsletters uh, have the word unsubscribe in it, you can sort it out that way. And you can say any emails that I have that have the word unsubscribe in it, I want to go to this specific category. And you can certainly do that. So there is an endless number of ways in which you can filter your Gmail account. Now, the third task you have to be able to do is just be able to search for emails. Now, that might seem easy because if you go into it, you might just be able to click on your inbox and scroll around. Maybe you even know up at the top, you can type in a person's email in the search or a keyword. But just like we learned in Google Drive, there's advanced features to searching as well. And if you click on the drop down menu in the search, you can include the person's email that you're trying to look for. You could include who they sent it to. If you remember what words were in the subject line, you can search the subject. Or if you just remember that they used a certain word, you can search for that and then you can filter the results that way. So let's say that I sent you guys an email and you lost it and it's been a month and you have no idea where this email went. You would put in my email address in the from section. You would put that it's to yourself If you forget the subject, you would leave that blank. But if you knew that I used the word Google Classroom Tips, you can put that in the section that asks for the words, and then you click search, and it's going to find whatever email was from me that included those words. Now, if you remember that I had an attachment to it, you could even search for specific attachments. So it is certainly helpful to do in Gmail because... Like many of us have, we have tons of emails that come in from parents, from students, from colleagues, from newsletters, and we can get overwhelmed by them and then lose important emails because we don't know how to search for them. Now, the fourth task you have to be able to do in Gmail is creating labels. That is similar to filtering, but 
labels will actually tag specific emails with something so that when you go into them, it will pop up to you and say, hey, this is not just an email from Mike. This is specifically from our Google training class. And you can set it up to be whatever you want. Labels and filtering really do go hand in hand and they are created somewhat similarly. But labels can also go on the left-hand side of your Gmail and you can click on that and see anything that's been labeled with it. Now, you will often create labels based on your filters, which is why they kind of are one and the same. And the fifth task you should be able to accomplish in Gmail is to utilize the chat feature and even create groups. Now, some of you might be familiar with Google Hangouts, but if you're not, we'll get into that later in the episode. But the chat feature in Gmail is on the left-hand side towards the bottom. You should see a word that says chat, and it should have your icon as well. And then there should be a little tiny plus sign that, if you hover over it, says new conversation. Now, you can click on that, and you can type in a person's name or a colleague's name, or their email address, or even their phone number for most people if you have that set up. But if you're in a specific organization, for us at CCS, if you started typing in a person's name, their contact information will pop up, and you can click on their name, and then you could send them a little chat. Now, why would you do that instead of an email? Well, if you know the person's online, and normally it does tell you, it will be a shorter conversation than an email, it will be a little less formal. So this is especially helpful if you knew that everybody was going to be on their laptop on the same time, pretty much, or the same day, and instead of sending a formal email, you could just send a quick little chat. And this integrates with Google Hangouts. So you'll notice that any of the Hangout chats, if you've had them, you have, also show up in Gmail. Because Gmail chat and Hangouts chat are one and the same. Just one is through Gmail, the others is through Hangouts. So you can certainly do that. You could play around with it and send me a chat as well, and we can chat back and forth. Instead of a formal email that takes a little bit longer, that's a little bit more bulky, you can send chat messages. Now your chat messages are still stored in your email inbox as well, but normally you don't see them there. Instead, you'll just get little pop-ups. It's like little instant messages while you're in Gmail, which can certainly help in distance learning as well. Now, You could also create groups based on that. So if you have a bunch of students that you wanted to start a little chat with through Gmail, you can do that. Now, as an aside, please note that your students know how to use these things as well. Most likely. I know that a handful definitely do. And during the school day, if you ever see that they're not really paying attention and you go over to them and they have their Gmail open, chances are they're using the chat feature of Gmail to instant message one another. So just keep that in mind that even if Gmail is up, there's still a social function to it. And it doesn't have to be as formal of sending emails, which they could be sending emails back and forth to each other, but usually they're just chatting back and forth to one another. And now speaking of chatting, we do need to discuss Google Hangouts. Now Google Hangouts is a little strange in terms of Google because Google likes to change things a lot. And as far as I know, Hangouts is supposed to be going away and replaced with something called Google Chat. But as of right now, they haven't pulled that trigger fully, at least not for schools. So Google Hangouts right now is still here for us to use. And I actually really like it. It's one of my favorite 
tools of G Suite for the last three to four months, especially during distance learning. Now, essentially, it's instant messaging. You could also video chat, you could also group chat, but it's instant messaging. If any of you remember like AOL's Instant Messenger AIM, it's similar to that. It just looks a lot nicer. You can attach files, you can attach pictures, you can do groups, uh, or you could just do individual messages. And of course, you could video chat. Now, it is different than Google Meet. So please note that Google Hangouts and Google Meet are two different programs. They are very similar, but they are two different programs. So I hope that Google Hangouts stays or that Google Chat really is Google Hangouts, but better. But as of right now, Google Chat, I think, is for businesses and not for schools. So Google Hangouts is nice because, like I said, it does work inside and embedded into Gmail. But you can also have it as an add-on in Google Chrome, which kind of brings it up as a full program. And you can also use it as an app on your phone. And so this was really helpful for me because I can instant message my students just by knowing their email address. And they can do the same for me. So even during the summer, I've gotten some instant messages from students about summer reading and about other work that they were doing or even just to check in and say hi. So it is really cool to do that because it's not like you need a person's phone number. It's not like you need any of that or even their personal email. You can just chat with them straight in there. You can chat with one another. I know a bunch of you have used it during distance learning, maybe some more than others. I was on it every single day, Monday through Friday. It is how my students communicated with me, and I answer very quickly because I also put it on my phone. So even if I'm not around my computer and I don't get the notification or the ding or the noise that I have set up, I can get a basically a text message on my phone, but it's not through my phone number. Instead, it's through the app. It's a push notification. It's kind of similar to like Facebook Messenger or a program like that where you're just messaging back and forth with people, but you could also video chat. And so that is a good component because whenever I wanted to speak face-to-face -face with my students during distance learning, I asked if they wanted to do a video chat through Google Hangouts. Now, that is better than Google Meet because with Google Meet, as many of you know, you need to generate a link and then set it up that way or you need to send them an official invite because Google Meet is really for larger groups whereas Google Hangouts is for smaller one-on-one -on -one video chats or just a really small group of people. So that's really the difference between the two. And of course, speaking of Google Meet, we do have to discuss that as well. Now, Google Meet, like I said, is separate from Google Hangouts, but they have a very similar function. Google Meet is not really the chatting type of service that Hangouts in is. It's not really for instant messaging. Instead, Google Meet is video conferencing, but think of a much larger and more formal scale than Google Hangouts. So Google Hangouts is more for consumers for the most part, whereas Google Meet is more for formal video conferencing with businesses or schools. So if we were to do distance learning and you wanted to do live video sessions, Google Meet would be what you wanted to use instead of Google Hangouts because you don't want to include 20-some people in a Hangouts video chat with your class. Instead, you'd rather have Google Meet because it also allows you more permissions as a teacher to mute individuals, whereas Google Hangouts doesn't allow for that. Now, most of you are at least somewhat familiar with video conferencing at this point. Google Meet is kind of like Zoom, 
if that's a better comparison for you. And in fact, Google Meet just had some updates that essentially make it like Zoom, although more secure. So it's also seamlessly integrated now with Gmail and Google Classroom. What do I mean by that? Well, when you're in Gmail, there is now an option to start a Google Meet immediately and invite somebody. When you're in Google Classroom, there is now an option in the settings to generate a meeting link that is then staying up at the top of the banner page when you first log into the Google Classroom, which means all your students have to do is log in and click on that, and now they're in the Google Meet. You no longer have to invite them through email or give them the link a different way. Instead, you just hit generate link, and they should know to go to the top of that page and click on it. Now, like other programs, it's always subject to more updates, and I expect that for the 2020-2021 school year, there will be more updates with Google Meet because now a lot of people know about it and are using it more than ever before. Now, the last communication tool of G Suite that we're going to discuss for this episode is Google Groups. Now, this is probably one that not many people are familiar with, it's been around for a while, but it's looked terrible and not too many people used it, at least not officially or intentionally. Now, at its beginning, Google Groups was just a way of making email addresses for a large group. So, for instance, I can create an email address for our entire Google training group. And when I email that one email address, let's just say it's Google training group at ccsnj.net, right? I can create that as an email address, as a group, and I can add all of your emails to it. So that way in the future, when I wanted to draft an email, all I have to do is put in Google training group at ccsnj.net, and it will automatically send that email that I'm writing to all of your email addresses. So it just becomes like an umbrella email category for me to use, which has been very helpful. Now, we already have Google Groups set up for our school. If, if you're part of CCS, and probably if you're part of other schools, you're a part of Google Groups without even knowing it. Like, a lot of organizations will do, like, all staff at, and then it'll be the domain name. If you go into the Google Groups and you're a Google school like CCS is, you'll see that those groups you're already a part of. Which is why when an administrator or, or a teacher wants to email everybody, they won't type in everybody's email address or copy and paste everybody's because that's just absurd. Instead, they will just type in that one name, right, all staff at blah, blah, blah dot com, and then it will go to everybody. But Google Groups is also largely an online forum. Now, what that means is it is intended for people in the group to post to a comment thread and people to respond that way. It's similar to also, I mean, to use an analogy like Facebook, right? When you go on Facebook or a program like it, you can have something as your status and then other people come and comment and it becomes a thread. Now, Google Groups isn't intended to be social like that and share pictures. It's more so just for communicating with one another in a forum-like way. So, for instance, I already started a Google Group for those of you taking the course with me right now. All you have to do is go in and accept it, and it's going to be a part of the lesson. 
And when you do that, you will see that I posted our first thread. And it just asks for you to comment below and include something that you've learned over the last week or two in the course. And that's it. And everybody else that's a part of the group is going to be able to see it. Everybody else that's a part of the group is going to be able to comment on it. And still, it is based around your email. So you'll already be signed into it, signed into Google. But it is really helpful. Now, this can really help with online learning and collaboration for colleagues. Because you could add students in a specific class to a group. And if you teach them how to use it, that can now be their online forum. You could have discussion forums that way. Now, some of you are like, well, can't you do that with Google Classroom? Yes, you can, but not everybody uses Google Classroom. Right? Younger grades sometimes don't use Google Classroom, so maybe a Google group is better. Now, Google Classroom also has a lot of other stuff in it. So discussions can end up being buried on the stream page or you have to ask a question on the classwork page and have people answer it that way. But after that class, that too kind of gets buried. So Google Groups can be used and maybe you just like the look of Google Groups better. Or maybe you want a student to lead one of the discussion forums for that week. Now, it could also help with collaboration for colleagues because you could create a Google Group for every department. You can create it for history and science teachers or history and math or just English or just history or just math and include all those teachers and then you could start answering questions that way. You can create a Google group for parents even and add all your parents. That way it's easier for you to email them all at once as well and maybe that's where parents might ask questions. You got to be willing to listen to them though and respond or maybe where parents can ask each other questions and answer. Maybe you include a forum with parents and students so that everybody could go there and see. And that's where you post some homework assignments or just frequently ask questions. And you can see what students are asking. You can see what parents are asking. These are just some examples. But at the end, even if you don't want to use the forum capability, you could still use the email feature, which is helpful. Now, if you're using Google Classroom, you could easily email all your students or all your guardians by hitting one button. But for those of you that don't use Google Classroom, it might be in the younger grades, maybe this is an option for you to easily email all your parents or all your students. So in closing, Gmail is definitely the most important of these programs that you should navigate first because it is the most used. But don't get bogged down with all the advanced functions or anything else with these programs. Especially with Gmail, there's a lot in it because there's a lot of buttons and tabs, there's a lot of settings that you can go through and you can just get overwhelmed by it. But remember, this is Google level one. You don't need to go that far in advance. And if you could do the five tasks that I mentioned previously, or you at least know where to find the answer to those five tasks and can kind of fake it till you make it, you're going to do well on the Google Level 1 certified exam. Most of you are pretty comfortable with Gmail to begin with, and now this is just going to up your game a little bit more. We just need to know the foundations right now to get more comfortable at using all these programs. Now, there is another communication tool 
that we are going to talk about, but I'm saving that for next time because it is going to take a bit more of learning and a bit more time to use because it is a very valuable tool. It is Google Sites, in case anybody was wondering. Some of you probably already have heard of it. I know some of you have been playing around with it already in anticipation because it's your way of kind of creating your own website. I've even had students do it. Students are even doing it for summer reading projects. So it is really easy to use, but it's your way of creating your own website and taking ownership of it. And so I am putting it in as a communication tool because I do think it's valuable in that way. But I am going to save that for next time. For now, focus on Gmail. Know the other uses of Google Hangouts and Google Google Groups and even Google Meet. Play around with it. Make sure that you can use every single one of those programs, at least on a basic level. And so until next time, this is episode four of our EdTech training course.